I'm Kylie, founder of Akanel Expeditions, the best adventure travel company that you've never heard of. This is a 35,000 feet podcast where we interview interesting people doing interesting things in interesting places. From the next big CEO to coaches of your favorite teams to everyone in between, we've got stories to tell. Let's jump in. Hi guys, it's Cheyenne, and today I'm sitting down with Coach Trisha. She is the head women's basketball coach at North Carolina Central University. Thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Cheyenne. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you and kind of learn more about you. Can you kind of tell us about how your season's going? I know you're getting close to wrapping up regular season, but what were the highs and the lows of it? The season is going better than expected or anticipated by outsiders, but it's it's going about how we we've um, predicted it to go um, amongst ourselves, which matter the most. Um, we are currently in sixth place. I think we've secured a sixth uh, spot in moving forward into the NEAC tournament. But I think the anticipation was for us to be ninth or tenth or something like that. So we've exceeded expectations of the outsiders, and we still have not fulfilled our goals, uh, which which still can happen. But we're excited about the direction we're going. We're recently on a four-game winning streak. We just lost our last one um, as we head into the final game of the season against our rival. So we're expecting good things. One of the highlights of the season was actually beating our rival at their place. Um, NC Central took down NC A&T in a double overtime thriller. So I don't think that's ever happened historically here um, at NC Central. And 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 we're we're making ways and making marks and setting precedent for the next teams to follow um, because my sports information director has shared with us that a four game winning streak hasn't happened streak hasn't happened since like 2010 and there are things we've accomplished this year as a team and as a staff that teams haven't accomplished since North Carolina Central has been in uh, Division One basketball so we 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 have a lot to be excited about. Yeah, that's awesome. Like you kind of are already on the right right path with that four game winning streak, beating your rival in the double overtime thriller. Like that's awesome. That's a really good <laughs> stepping stones to keep going in the right uh-huh. direction. How did you get into basketball? I would have to say my big brother. I have one brother um, and he treated me like his little brother. <laughs> and we played all sports. Every sport he wanted to play, he had his little sister tagging along. And uh, what he fell in love with, in addition to track and football and baseball, was his basketball. Um, he was a he was a shooter, held state records and everything. But you know, at two two kids in the house. I mean, I had to play whatever he wanted to play. So he made me tough. Uh, he made me competitive. He taught me how to talk trash. Um, he taught me how to take a whooping and give a whooping. So <laughs> my brother Kevin is responsible for the love of the game that I have. And then I just started playing with his friends and his crowd of people. And um, it just seemed a little easier once I was able to compete against girls. That's awesome. I love that. Your big brother kind of just like, like his little brother, even though, you know, that's awesome. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, he dragged me along. That's awesome. And so you actually played in the WNBA and some European leagues. Can you kind of tell us about that a little bit? I think that's so cool. Well, I did, and and thank you. It, it's exciting to tell the story, and when I hear it now, I mean, I, I'm I'm looking at it from a different perspective. You know, sometimes you're in things and you take them for granted, mm-hmm. um, and then when you see how how much people appreciate, you kind of step back and say, "Wow, you know, I did that." 
So, yeah, I, I was a professional athlete, basketball player for about 12 years. I graduated a long time ago from high school, from college in 92. And straight after 92, I went and played overseas. Um, I think my first job was in, like, Italy. Um, and I did between Italy, Israel, Spain, Brazil, Puerto Rico, and the WNBA and the ABL, which is the American Basketball League um, in the States. I did about 12 years of professional ball. So to be able to be compensated for something that I would have done for free and um, that I love gave me a perspective on life. Like if you're going to do something, do it with with all your heart and, and eventually you may be able to get paid to do it. So uh played with the Houston Comets. Uh, that was a exciting team back in the day. I think the first four years of the WNBA, they won the first championships, four in a row. And I say they because I came year five. And so we <laughs> competed. We didn't win the fifth year. But, you know, I went from there to a team called the Miami Soul, um, plays in the same arena as the Miami Heat. That team ended up folding. Um, and the league still goes on and on. But prior to me even joining the WNBA, I was in a league called the American Basketball League, professional league, paid more money, bigger crowds. Um, it played in the same season as normal professional basketball season. So whereas the WNBA plays in the summer months, the American Basketball League was taking place during the college season. So I played for the Long Beach Stingrays after I was traded there. My first team in the ABL was called the San Jose Lasers. Um, and we were in the Bay Area. We were near Palo Alto, Stanford. Um, so I had some Stanford Cardinal teammates, which was my rival, having come from UC Berkeley. Uh -huh. But that league was exceptional, paid well. But at the time, I don't think financially it could support for as long as, um, you know, I think five to eight years. I can't remember exactly, but... I had some great times and some lifelong fans and friends were established from the ABL. How cool. That's so awesome. I've never really like got to talk to somebody that was a professional athlete like that. So it's so fun to hear <laughs> how you got into that and your story. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. So how did you transition from playing to coaching? As a player, peaking and about to finish my collegiate career, I would meet people, coaches. As a matter of fact, I could think back to being recruited. I think it was a man named Joe Champy. He was a head coach, longtime legend at Auburn University. He's probably the first person that told me, you're going to be a coach. And I was still playing. I mean, and at the time, I mean, coaches weren't even my favorite people. I'd had so mm -hmm. many different experiences. Um, some I love and, you know, lifelong love yeah. for people. And for coaches but some you know difficult situations so I just never envisioned myself being a coach but he saw something in me said that's what I was going to be um, my high school boys basketball coach I went to Westchester High School in Los Angeles California Ed Azam still coaching still winning championships um, he told me I was going to be a coach he would coach the boys at Westchester so he would help the girls program and he saw it in me as well so he offered me the opportunity to coach I think I was playing professionally, but somehow, I'm so old now, man, the timing. Somehow I ended up my first coaching job was back at my alma mater, Playa Del Rey, California, Westchester High School Commons. 
I coached there for three years as the head coach. Uh, we had a lot of success. And from that, I would train players in the summer at the time, like Diana Taurasi. A lot of the players that are my age or a little younger would come back and play at Westchester High School. We'd have, I'd open it up like, like the boys, should I say. We'd have pickup games and come back. There was never really a place or a league for the girls to come back and play. So I'd open my gym up at Westchester. We'd have two courts running and the original pickup spot. From that, I had UCLA players that would come because at that time, you know, there's, or even now, there are limited times when Division One coaches can have their hands and work out mm-hmm. with their players. So Kathy Olivier was a head coach at UCLA. She knew me. She recruited me, as a matter of fact. Um, she also said I was going to be a coach. Well, she entrusted her players in my gym at that time her players being in LA right down the street from Westchester she'd make sure they got their pickup games in come in and be competitive and stay in shape and work on their chemistry from that her players would come back I think it was like it was like a Noel Quinn it was like a Lisa Willis there was a Nikki Blue superstars of UCLA would go back and and share the fondness they had of me coach Trish so Kathy Olivier, knowing me, said, hey, when she had a spot open, when it ever came open, she definitely considered me. That happened. UCLA was my first collegiate coaching experience. And um, as everyone will tell you, I say I was blessed because most people don't start at that tip top right there. So it was it was a great thing. So I accredit oh, Kathy cool. Olivier, who's now head coach at she's now the head coach at UNLV, her alma mater, I believe. And so I thank her for plugging me in and putting me on that level, um, never to look back. Yeah, and then how did you get into NC? From UCLA. I actually got an interview to be the head coach after Kathy Olivier left. Um, I was still an assistant, and I was interviewed to be the head coach at UCLA for the Bruins, which would have been outstanding, but did not get that opportunity. I was off a year, got a couple of opportunities or looks to be an assistant elsewhere, Oregon State, I think Rutgers, um, but it took a year off to be mommy and to just be a family person. Yeah. Um, and then, matter of fact, I think it was Joe Champion again, calls me out of the blue and says, do you want to coach at Duke? And California kids, <laughs> forgive me, but I was like, where is that? What state <laughs> is it in again? No clue. Absolutely no clue where it was. I said, sure. Let's, let's think about that. What's going on? Where's Duke? Uh, coach Joanne P. McCauley, she's still the head coach at Duke right now, flew me out there. We After having a conversation, phone interview, um, she liked me. I knew one of the assistant coaches now who's now also a head coach, uh, Samantha Williams. Um, that worked out, ended up being an assistant there, over-recruiting, recruited a number one recruiting class, recruiting another number one recruiting class. From there, um, a cardinal sin that I now know being in North Carolina, you never go from Duke to Carolina or Carolina to Duke, <laughs> but the opportunity to work for a Hall of Fame coach and Sylvia Hatchell came up. You know, she recruited me from Duke. I went from Duke to Carolina. So four years coaching Division One basketball in the ACC, <laughs> eight miles down the road um, as an assistant. Ended up helping to get a number one recruiting class at University of North Carolina. Chapel Hill as well so um, I've been here for four years go back um, if you want to know the, the, the story the timeline I go back to California as a 
as a head coach for Concordia University in Irvine, um, NAIA, go, go there in year two. I was there three years. Year two, um, I get coach of the year. We win the championship. I think I got it considered a number one recruiting class. And um, after three years there, took another year off trying to see the next move. And now people that knew me specifically, my my athletic director, Dr. Ingrid Wicker-McCree, she knew of me. You know, I wasn't a stranger back in the Durham area. You know, I had come here, done a great <laughs> job, done work, and had a good reputation for my relationship with kids and everything. So, hey, now opportunity to be a head coach back in the middle of two schools <laughs> that I served at. Chapel Hill and Durham are right here in Durham. Um, so it's not new for me. And thank you that the administration here is central trusted in me to come here and do something special at North Carolina Central. How cool. What an awesome path. And it seems like everybody knew before you even knew that you were going to be a coach. Uh, They said something like that. And, (laughs) you know, I knew that I wanted to stay involved in the game, obviously, at that age of 18, 19. I never knew really how. Um, but I'm glad I did it. You know, the opportunity to give back to impact lives. And I'm trying to tell you, man, the biggest reward is not just the wins. Of course, those are exciting. That's what we're going for. But when a kid that I recruited but didn't even get to come to my school or their parent calls me because they trust me and they know my value system and um, they ask me for advice or they just check in with me or uh, through social media, a kid that I coached a while ago and I gave her good advice. That wasn't necessarily something she wanted to hear, but they found out later it was all truthful. I mean, those are the rewards. Or now they're able to tell their friends and sisters that, yeah, she recruited me. Um, you, you should go there. She's cool people. And, you know, she's changing things. And I, I mean, those things are more than exciting. Yeah. It seems like you're an awesome mentor because I feel like when I look back at my coaches, I had my favorite ones were the ones who were not just coaches, but also mentors. And I could lean on them for advice. and. That sounds just like how you are. Absolutely. I mean, and the thing is, I, I'm I'm this person no matter where I am or what I'm doing. It's so funny to be in the recruiting world, uh, the basketball world. You're recruiting, and you know, I remember as a player, I'm in the I'm in there playing a game, but in the stand, you see hundreds of coaches, and you're always trying to look on their shirt to see where's that logo from, where are they from, what school is that, what school is that. Well, I can always say to people, I'm Trish regardless of what shirt I have on, whether it's Concordia, whether it's Duke, Carolina, UCLA, um, or now North Carolina Central, I'm the same person. So I never change with the shirt that I change. I'm, I'm, I'm who I am. I tell parents all the time, man, I'm a mother of your kid. I mean, now I am actually a mother. I have two, child, two children, my two sons that I love to death. So I'm going to treat them. As long as you trust me, I'm going to treat them as if they're my kids, which means it's not always happy time. Right. You know, mom, get on their butt. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to praise them. They're going to know at the end of the day, I love them. And it's all about what is best for them, you know, at the time that I can help them accomplish. So again, those are the rewards. I love the fact that people label me mentor, but you know, I'm not seeking the title. I'm just being me. And I at the end that. of the day, you know, people appreciate me for, for that. And, um, I'm grateful. Yeah. That's an awesome outlook. Um, I feel like this goes into my next question. If you're wanting to play in a university, what would your advice be to them? Oh, you have to work hard. You, you, yeah. you, when I say work hard, I don't, I don't mean sometimes. I mean, all the time. Like it, it's a, it has to become a habit. 
I had a quote today in my practice and it said, uh, now I'm going to mess it up, but it said, people do not decide their future. They decide their habits and their habits decide their future. So habits of training and working hard, that becomes who you are and it puts you in better opportunities most of the time. But when I say working hard on your actual skill, what is it that you do well? What can you do better? And you're competing with yourself all the time, but with your weaknesses what are your weaknesses and how can you improve them but it's more habits man mm -hmm. the habitual runner becomes faster and anything with repetition makes you better the shooting and all that stuff but then it's the balance of being able to function in an athletic world and an academic world because it's not just one-sided you're not just athletes you know you you have to do both my mom used to say to me all the time you can't have one without the other and that those were the standards in my house. I mean, I was a 3.6 student. Um, and so it, it was something that I didn't take for granted. I mean, in order to play, I have to get great, great um, grades and do well academically, socially. You have to stay focused as you get older. There's so many options and opportunities for kids to party and be distracted or, or, or just not value work ethic. But you have to balance the two. And when you're able to do that, I mean, it puts you in position to be able to function in a real life, in real world, with a real job, and after you're, after the ball goes down. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love what you said about the habits kind of decide, like, your future and, like, who you are because that kind of becomes what's engraved in you. And even when you're done right. with basketball, that's how you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Yeah. Um, I'd love to turn more to some of your favorite travel experiences, whether it was as a player, as a coach, or both. What were some of your favorite travel memories you have? Well, going overseas. Yeah. Um, I say they were my favorite because the result and the, the opportunity to fill up my passport while, while I was filling up my little bank account playing basketball <laughs> is amazing. I mean, there would always be long flights, long flights. Um, especially coming from California, coming from the West Coast. Uh, long flights, lonely flights, because I would always cry. No one I was leaving, but I always cry. Ends with a cry, because you got to leave your family going over there for right. a while. Um, but the experience that I was getting at such a young age, early 20s, young 20s, um, to travel the world, to see different waters abroad. I mean, believe it or not, I tell people Israel was one of my favorite places to play. The beaches were beautiful. They spoke English. A lot of Americans there, and it was never what we would see on the news. Mm -hmm. um, the portrayal of the news wasn't that bad um, in in reality. Um, we'll see flights and then travel in my own life. I think I'm I've become a a bona fide cruiser. So <laughs> outside of sports, I mean, my family and I, my husband and family, extended family members, we like to cruise. So those experiences of being on a ship and just being a fat girl and being able to eat at any hour. Food, yeah, food whenever you want it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like I said, but back to the basketball and professional experiences, um, traveling overseas was always great. Um, to put on a uniform and be unified playing for USA basketball as well, I got the opportunity to do that. Um, that's something I'll pride forever, um, just representing our country. Um, and playing, I played in the world games and things like that, being able to get a medal and, and being honored as an American 
was always lovely. And the World Games and USA sports were always in different different places and every opportunity um, I had to be a part of that. I mean, I jump on it. How cool. And what about your team? Do you guys travel anywhere, like in the country? Where do you go or out of the country? Have you been able to well, go? Well, we do. Course? Okay, cool. Right now, the Mideastern Athletic Conference, the MEAC Conference, um, it's, it's pretty much uh, grouped in, there's Florida, there's D.C. area, there's Chapel, I mean, not Chapel Hill, uh, there's North Carolina, South Carolina. So our travel there is a little different. I mean, we fly some places, but we get charter buses. We're chartered to different spots, and we travel um, usually not with the men. They're coming on their own um, mm-hmm. charter bus, and we're coming as well. But we travel and we play, you know, double headers in our conference. But uh, being NCAA Division One University, every four years you're able to do a a European tour, and with the with you know. Thanks going to my sport administrator, Mr. Derek McGee, who's getting the ball rolling, as as well as my athletic director. My team for this summer is scheduled to go to our European tour in Paris. So like a six or seven day tour, we'll play a few games. And the young ladies will get that experience in college to go overseas. We'll get some educational opportunities in there and um, hit some spots that you only really see in the magazines. Mm-hmm. How fun. Oh, it's super fun. And we've got a lot of donors that are going to help contribute and and even participate and travel with us. A lot of interest is being sparked. And like I said, I mean, when, you, when you're an athlete um, and a collegiate athlete, you get taken care of um, in special ways. So the expectations to me are, are, are much greater and mm-hmm. higher. So you have some standards yeah. to meet. You live in a glass bowl which means you're swimming around and everybody sees you, everything you do, right. you're not the normal kid. Expectations change for you. Um, but at the same time, you get opportunities that a lot of students, simply students don't get, a lot of people don't ever get. So it's a fortunate world. You get per diem, you get money um, to go once again to do something. You get an education, you get your degree paid for to do something that that you love. I mean, you, you it, it's a win-win situation. And in addition to the fact that you would know this, sports teach you discipline. I mean, sports teach you how to how to deal with, with loss and failure and, and um, teamwork and all those things that Fortune 500 companies are dying to hire athletes. Yeah. So it, it just develops so much more to your character um, to me when you've had to fight through fights of, I don't feel like doing this, but yeah, you have to, or um, the suffering of a loss or an injury. And, and, and there's so many things that being an athlete and being on a team teaches you that you can apply to real world. So I'm grateful for those gifts and talents and opportunities and um, the good days and the bad days. They've created the Trisha Stafford Odom I am today. And hopefully those are things that I can instill in my children. I have a a big 13-year-old, Trajan Odom. He's an athlete, three-sport, wearing a size 14 shoe. I've got a a 14-year-old who's wearing a size 15 shoe, a three-sport athlete, pretty special, Amari Odom. So right now, between my husband, Dwayne, and I, who was also an athlete, Dwayne was a Division I um, Cal Berkeley football player, 
did some time with the San Diego Chargers and the Canadian Football League. I'm thinking that we've meshed together to make some stuff good enough yeah. uh, to appreciate the athletic world. And, you know, with God's grace, I mean, again, being athletes, we can now relate to our kids differently and, and tell them you're different than the rest. So yeah. you have to behave accor- accordingly. Yeah, you have some athletes on your hands for sure. <laughs> yeah, pretty good dudes, pretty good dudes. Students first, you know, strong young men that we hope we're creating children of God and, you know, just respectful people. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely going to be proud of as we continue to move forward in life. And one question I want to ask you might put you on the spot a little bit, but is, what is Uh-oh. one thing no one knows about you that you can share with us? Oh, my goodness. <sighs> I know, crazy. I kind of put you on the spot. Any direction with <laughs> Whatever you want to uh, share. Okay, I sing a little bit. I'm, okay. a, I'm a preacher's kid. So I'm a pastor's kid, preacher's kid all my life. My brother's a pastor. My father was a pastor. So I was on the praise and worship team. Um, I would get scared to death to have to lead songs, but I could sing them out loud in my mirror in the bathroom. And be pretty doggone good. So I think I'm blessed with that. And some people have heard me sing, some not. But I think I'm kind of shy. People always tell me I'm not, but I do think I'm kind of shy. Dude, my feet. I think I have like an athlete's toes. Like I need prettier feet. I think that's probably what I go with. The bunion or the years of wearing basketball shoes and cleats and all the sports that I play took a little toll on my feet. So I'm not necessarily a foot model. I'd say that. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. You can sing and then you play basketball and you have the feet to prove it. <laughs> right. That's right. Love Nobody that. can take that away from me. <laughs> Just as we're wrapping up, what's your next adventure? I know you guys are kind of wrapping up your season, but what are you most excited mm-hmm. about? Well, Short goal, we play tomorrow. We actually finish our season out with, like I said, our rival tomorrow. Hopefully we can can sweep them. You know, it's going to be tough, but hopefully we can do that. That would, that would put a great end to a season because that would actually put us at a winning uh, conference record, which in year three, that'd be the first for me and the first probably for this women's basketball program. We'd end up, uh, I think, nine and seven. So that'd be great. Moving into the tournament with a lot of momentum that happens next week in Norfolk. Virginia. But other than that, ultimately winning the MEAC tournament so that we can be seated and put in position to play in the NCAA tournament. Um, playing against all the Division One schools that I used to coach at, the Duke, the Carolina, the UCLA, um, all those teams uh, are HBCU, historically black college and university, mm-hmm. will be in a position to represent our school on a national stage, North Carolina central in the ncaa tournament so that's what we're looking forward to i've got some stellar talent um i've actually got a rookie of the year and anissa rivera um she has she had some injuries this year so i don't know if she'll meet the qualifications but statistically she's a national wbca rookie of the year she's going to be amazing um paulina free i've got some serious talent on my team so i'm looking forward to the respect they garner um, by way of conference awards, you know, all defense, all tournament, all everything. I'm just excited for these young ladies because they're graduating and I want them to go out with a bang, understanding that their efforts that they put into their athletics, into basketball, into my program um, was not in vain. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I feel like 
as you said, you've kind of the last couple of three years that you've been there, you've kind of every year have gotten better and better and you want to go with the bang. And especially mm-hmm. if you for your last season, your game tomorrow and hopefully keep moving on into the March Madness. You know, that's what it's all about. Uh-huh. Well, that's what my staff and I are aiming towards. I mean, I, I'll say this. I mean, I've got one of the best staff, coaching staff, and my director of basketball race, oper, director of basketball operations that there is. And I say that honestly and wholeheartedly for any woman trying to play professional basketball. I mean, we have a staff of three former WNBA players. Myself, Tynesha Lewis, uh, she was an NC State All-American played in the WNBA for several years. There's Erlena Larkins, who's not only a WNBA player, like a long timer, but she won a national champion or she won a championship in the WNBA, played for University of North Carolina. Um, I've got Jason Harris, who's a superstar coach, former professional player um, overseas. He's in the DC, Maryland area, and he coached a stellar high school program and coach for one of the top AAU programs in the country. So my staff is incredible. Then I've also stolen another Tar Heel um, and my director of basketball operations, who eventually will be an athletic director, Clarissa Adams. She's amazing. So this staff is young and excited and motivated to do some things that um, a lot of people don't even have the aspirations to do. So. Oh, it sounds we like- are doing our part, which actually yeah. happens to be our model. DYP, do your part. I love that. And it sounds like you just have a loaded coaching staff, not just coaches or whatever, but like you guys are mentors. You care about your girls. I love it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, Coach Trisha, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to talk to you and to get an inside look into your journey and your team. And we wish you the best mm-hmm. of luck as you're wrapping up your season. I am grateful and most appreciative. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks for listening to the 35,000 Feet Podcast, where we chat with interesting people doing interesting things in interesting places. Do you have a story that you want to share? Visit www.acanela.com slash podcast to share your story and be featured on our next episode of 35,000 Feet.